0: Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at antiochatx.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. We are starting a new series of talks this morning that we're calling Thin Spaces. Thin Spaces. I've been reading the Bible and have been struck with these moments that would happen in scripture where it seemed as if heaven was really, really close to earth. That it was a thin space. One, one of these is when Moses went to Mount Sinai. And he would go up this mountain and God would visit him and speak to him. It was on Mount Sinai where Moses got the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were the beginning of God dropping His standard on humanity for how to live, ultimately to reveal to all of us that we can't hold it. We can't keep it. It was the Ten Commandments. It's the law that reveals that we need a rescuer. We need a Savior. The Ten Commandments set the stage for Jesus. Mount Sinai was a place of encounter. It was a thin place. God would show up so powerfully that the people of Israel would freak out. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. There would be cloud that would rest on top of the mountain. And thunder was a powerful place. It was a thin space between heaven and earth. I believe as a church, we are entering into a season of close encounters. We're entering into a season of a thin space. Where God wants to move in power on us and in us and through us beyond our wildest dreams. Jesus said something super important for us to grab hold of in Matthew 7. He says, ask and it will be be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open." So my question for us this morning is very simple. How hungry are we? How hungry are we? We're we're in a a season. We've been given the invitation by Jesus to ask, seek, and knock. And, And if we respond, if we believe that, if we obey that, then this place can be a thin space. Can you pray with me? Jesus, I'm asking that you would Move in power over us this morning. Captivate us with your grace, your life, your hope. Lord, let the word of God come alive. And would you get me out of the way so that your story can be heard and your glory revealed. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Uh, how many of you are early adapters? You know what I'm talking about with an early adapter? You're like the one who goes and waits in line for the iPhone 10R, whatever the new one is. Like you're waiting in line for four days, you're camping, you're an early adapter. If you didn't know that, you're an early adapter. These are people that grab hold of new things before everyone else does. Like I, I want to be an early adapter, but I'm honestly not at all. I'm super behind the curve. If it wasn't for Pastor Chris Ots, which by the way, how great of a job did he do last week, bringing just an incredible word, timely word. If you missed it, check it out on YouTube, check it out on the podcast, absolutely crushed it. But Chris is a early adapter. He, he's like on the front end of all sorts of technical solutions to problems I did not even know existed. Like he takes notes on an iPad. I still use paper. I think paper is great. I love pens. I love pencils. I like to write notes. I like to feel the paper, right? Chris abandoned paper years ago. He doesn't even know what paper looks like. You ask him to send, him, send you something... It's like a digital document of his handwriting. I don't know how he does it. He's an early adapter. I'm not an early adapter. I want to be because early adapters seem to be cooler than late adapters. I'm just going to tell the truth. Like when people are like, hey, have you heard about that? And you have to be honest. Let's be honest. If you're a late adapter, you lie more than people who are early adapters. Because people often are like, yo, man, have 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 you heard of this? And I'm like, yeah, man you you on this app? Absolutely. (laughs) Then I text Chris, dude, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to? This kind of really hit the fan. Liz and I led a impact trip to England a few years ago. At the time, we were uh, actually in the college ministry in Waco. And this was years ago. And we led a team of about 50 students to England. And it was incredible. We had like this amazing street performance that we would do including like a live band and this like beautiful theatrical display of the gospel. We would gather hundreds of people in the city center. It was an absolute blast to be a part of this trip but it was like a whirlwind. We were in four different cities in three weeks and honestly trying to keep track of 50 college students on planes, trains, and automobiles seriously was getting a bit stressful and so we landed into like our second city after four or five days I am exhausted, worn out, whooped. I'm like falling asleep standing up, tired. Did this ever happen to anybody like where you 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 want to like you really want to be awake, but your body's just like power down mode. It's just like you know and you're just dot you know nodding off and and so I'm sitting in the lobby of this hotel that we were trying to get everybody checked into. We were going to be staying the night there. And I'm absolutely falling asleep and I kind of kind of come to and I'm like guys, a few of our friends sitting at the table with us I was like, guys, I'm so tired. Like, I am whooped, man. I don't know how we're going to go on for two and a half more weeks. This is just crazy. And they looked at me, and they were like, dude, just go get some coffee. Coffee's right over there. Now, you're not going to believe this. You're going to think I'm making this up. But somehow, I made it all the way through college. I had no idea the power of coffee. Like, I, I thought it was just like a warm beverage, something that I had no idea that it was fuel for the weary. No clue until this moment. No idea. Never once entered my mind, I'm tired, drink coffee. It just wasn't in my, I'm a late adapter. So I'm sitting at this table. I'm like, get coffee? They're like, yeah, dude, it'll like wake you up. I'm like, coffee wakes you up? They're looking at me like, bro. So I go over to this little coffee station, get myself a little cup of coffee, sit down at the table, Take a couple of drinks. I'm telling you, it was like life started pulsating through my veins. I remember I just like turned at Liz super dramatically and I'm like, a whole new world. A whole fantastic, pu-. you know, I mean, I was like, I practiced that, by the way. That was not spontaneous, just so you know. And so I, I... I I was dragging and then something came into my body and it gave me life that I didn't even know that I had. How many of you have felt like that in your heart? You're dragging. You don't have any more expectation. You don't have any strength in your faith. You're just barely hanging on. Now, I believe we're entering into a season where God wants to wake us up. He, he wants to give us a thin space, a, a place of encounter so that the areas of our hearts that are dragging, that, are, that we want, we, we, we're like, I don't want to be falling asleep right now, but this life is powering you down. Circumstances just suck in your faith. You're, you're, you're barely able to put hope in tomorrow. God is saying over you right now, it's a thin space. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and wake you up, wants to revive your heart. He wants to give you fresh life, fresh faith, fresh hope, fresh strength right now in this place because we are sitting in a thin space. Amen? If you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, if if you're a Bible reader, you're going to know that this is a passage of Scripture that preachers absolutely love. It preaches itself. For that reason, I often actually when I feel like I'm being led to this passage, I'm like, no, I I just it's been done. I've done it like I, you know, like it. And I just couldn't get away from it. And if you don't know, if you're new to the Bible, you need to know this is a this is a chapter of Scripture uh, that was written by a guy named Ezekiel. who's the namesake of the, the entire book. And Ezekiel was known as the prophet of God. Basically, God chose him to be obedient in a season where the entire people of Israel were being disobedient. He said, you're going to be my guy that's going to display my truth, hope, and redemption to a group of people who have rebelled against me and are now living in the consequence of their sin and rebellion. They are now enslaved. They're in captivity to a group of people known as the Babylonians. And God would tell Ezekiel to do certain things, to to demonstrate certain things, and to declare certain things, basically telling the same story. That God's heart was that the people of Israel would return, repent, and experience freedom. And this is what happens in Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel gets a vision. God opens up the eyes of his heart and allows him to see what is going on in the spirit world over the heart of the people of Israel. And so we're reading what Ezekiel wrote here in chapter 37 as a vision that he got from God that was painting a picture for what he was experiencing on the earth. And and it says this, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones." And he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many of bones on the floor of the valley and bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? Anybody in the house been through a dry season? I mean, it just... Anybody right now in a dry season? You just feel like... There's no life in you. You're so dry, you feel brittle. Just the, the dry, the, that dry reality of, of what happens when we walk through a valley. I love the question that God asks Ezekiel after He shows him this dry place. He says... Son of man, can these bones live? Can life come here? You see, this is a question of expectation. What, what do you expect can happen right here, Ezekiel? Where, where's, your, where, where's your expectation at right now? You, you be, expectation can be terrifying. Because expectation leads to disappointment. So you start talking about where's your expectation. We like to try to play it safe because we felt the consequences of disappointment. And disappointment oftentimes leads to dry places. So if you're in a dry place, being asked like, what do you think can happen? Can light, you're, You kind of feel like you're in a catch-20. Like, how do I get out? I feel like disappointment got me here, but you're asking me in my disappointment, do you think life can come here? If Sophie's in sixth grade. Hey, baby, I love you. She's amazing. I'm gonna brag on my daughter here real quick. She wins everything. I'm a competitive person. If you've ever done Strength Finders, competition is my number one strength. I love that she wins. I hate when she beats me winning. I love her, hate when she wins. But she wins everything. She's like that kid that she like goes out, new school, student council, wins. UIL, story reading, didn't even know that was a thing, wins. Storytelling, my bad. Like Everything that she tries, wins. She's a winner. All she does is win. And so, she comes to us and she's like, hey, I want to try out for cheerleader. I'm like, of course you do. And of course you're going to make it. Because all she does is win, right? And so, I am like ordering flowers before I pick her up from the tryout. I mean, like, The the expectation was up here that she was going to get it. Man, we're sitting down, and and it's like the night where the list is going to be published. And we're going through, and she sees every single one of her friends that tried out and not her. Man, you're talking about tears, the size of baseballs flying out of her little cute face. I wasn't even home at the time. I like call her up. I'm like, babe, what do you want? You want a pony? I'll give you a pony. You want diamonds? I'll give you diamonds. You want me to go set someone's house on fire? Who are the judges? I'll go beat them up. I, got, I know people, you know, like I was lost and now I'm found. I still have friends that are still lost. We can handle business. Like, what do you need? And, and, and she, you know, I'm so proud of her because she, she leaned into Jesus in her disappointment. And on her own was like, you know what? After a couple of days of grieving and just kind of sorting through all of the fields and she she comes downstairs and starts making cookies for all of her friends that had made it to celebrate them. I'm like, Sophie, we all want to be like you when we grow up. And I mean, absolutely. Incredible. So proud of you. But it's the pain and disappointment and rejection that tempts us to lower the bar of our faith. I was even talking to Sophie about, hey, can I share this story? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And, and I was like, hey, how are you doing with all that? She was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it another go next year. I tell you, I mean, there's nothing more powerful than someone who does not lay the bar lower because they've experienced disappointment. You know, expectation literally means to strongly believe that something is going to happen. Can I read for you the definition of faith given to us in Hebrews 11? Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. The real question is, to Ezekiel, not what's your expectation, where's your faith? Is your faith at the point, looking at this death, this valley of dry bones, that you can say life is going to come out of that? Because listen to me, church, your expectation will determine your encounter. Your expectation will determine your encounter. Now, listen, I love this because Ezekiel answers this question absolutely the perfect way. And I don't know if he actually, he wrote this. So you're kind of like, did he really do? Is this kind of the remix? Like, because he answers this question and he goes, you know what, God? Only you know. Now, I don't know. But you know, and I don't want you to miss this because his uncertainty of what could happen was not connected to what he believed God could make happen. He's looking at it, he's uncertain, but his uncertainty, his disappointment of believing for a move of God over the people of Israel for years and years and years, seeing nothing, seeing nothing move, he was like, God, you know, he's not going to lower the bar of his expectation of what God can do based on what the pain and the disappointment of what he's seen in his past. This is big for us. We got to understand this because if you're in a, a dry season right now, the best thing that you can do is to show up to church with expectation that the, the river is coming. It's the best thing you can do. Show up with some expectation that things are going to change. You, you might have to tell you some things that you don't even believe. You might have to get in your car and say, today is going to be the best day of my life. That's not positive talk. That's called a faith declaration. Your expectation is going to determine your encounter. How hungry are we? The invitation Jesus gave us was ask, seek, and knock. Any place can be a thin space. Any place can be a place of encounter. Oftentimes, I think that we walk, we, we, we hit the pain of life, the disappointment of failed expectations. And unlike Moses, who stayed on the mountain, we just walked down the mountain. And, and we're like, I, don't have, I can't endure anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm just a, a dried up skeleton of myself. I don't have any more life in me. Our expectation is going to determine our encounter. I want us to read on in this passage. We're going to jump back in Ezekiel 37 and verse 4. Because some things begin to happen that are amazing. It says, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I'll make breath enter you and you will come to life. And I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin, and I will put breath in you, and you will come to life, and then you will know that I am the Lord. Look, doesn't this sound like a, a scene from the music video Thriller? Some of y'all are too saved, even know what that is. So I prophesied, as I was commanded, And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked at the tendons and the flesh, and it appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to it, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood on their feet, a vast army. I think it's significant that the bones came together, the tendons came on the bones, the muscles, the skin, all of that happened, but there was no breath. I think it's interesting that there was two parts there. Like, why, why did that happen? Why, why, why didn't it just, like, they, they all came together and then they were breathing and they were alive? No, it's like they were together, but there was no breath in them. There was no wind on them. So they, they were still lifeless. Truthfully, I think I relate to this spot in the passage more than the dry bone spot. There's moments in my life where I, I feel lifeless, There's a little bit in me. I'm not dried up, burnt out and washed up to the point where there's just a pile of dust. No, there's a I still have a little bit of the structure. I still know a little bit of the truth. I still can say the right answers. I can look at people and tell them I'm fine, but I got no breath. Structure is not going to give you life. It's not it's not going to you can't just come to church and then hope you get breath. Am I talking to anybody? You, You can't just like show up to life group and hope you get free. It's not about the rhythm of what we do. It's about the breath in our lungs. It's the breath that makes these things come alive. You know, I was. In the middle of nowhere, Burundi about four hours after our twins officially became ours. You know, I don't talk often about our adoption story because, honestly, it's too emotional, kind of too private, but I'll never forget that first night. You know, we had waited for this moment for like six years. And we went earlier that afternoon and picked them up from the orphanage and Brought them back to our hotel. They're ours. We're sitting in the hotel, and Kevin and Ines is their names, and, and they're six and a half at the time, and they were little explorers. So every bag, drawer, under the bed, I mean, they were just digging for treasures. And they found all kinds of stuff, right? But the thing they mostly found was the giant bag of snacks that Liz had packed for all of the travel that we had coming. And it was like 14 million fruit snacks, you know, and like Nutter Butters, you know, just the good healthy quality things that you do. And so like they just dive head first into this snack bag. And you know what? We've known them for like three hours. So I'm thinking, eat it up, you know, (laughs) like do work, you know, like throw wrappers, let's just have a party. After about 37 bags of fruit snacks, Liz and I look at each other and we're like, I think maybe for the first time in our tender young relationship, we're going to have to introduce the word no. So I remember I go to my sweet daughter and, and I'm looking at her in the eyes and I have I have a a piece of bread, because if she's hungry, she absolutely can eat, but I'm like, if you keep eating fruit snacks, like, this night is gonna not end well, you know, like, this, this, we're gonna have, there's gonna be throw up, it's gonna be bad, so I'm like, grab it, now, they don't speak any English, and I don't speak any Karundi, I don't know if you knew that, a lot of people think I would be a native Karundian speaker, but I'm not, and I, I take the, the fruit snack from her, and I'm like, no, I'm smiling, and then I hand her the piece of bread, and I'm like, yes, and I'm like trying to be as happy, you know, like, yeah, no, yeah, and her eyes changed, and she looked at Kevin, you know, and she's like, which means older brother. It's the only Corinthian word I know, and she and all of a sudden, I knew it was on. It was the test. Does there know me? No. And man, it was a throat. You're talking about three hours of screaming. Just blood curling, screaming. I'm thinking the hotel's gonna come in and be like, Are you hurting these children? And we're like, No, nah, fruit snacks. You know what I mean? like. Eventually, they fell asleep out of just pure exhaustion. And Liz and I go to bed, and I got to be honest with you. I did not respond well. It scared me. It terrified me, actually. I I was like, man, how how am I going to do this? I I don't know if I can do this. This is going to be so hard. This is going to change. It was like all of the emotion, all the conferences and books and everything that we went to, like all of that stuff is like life just dealt me a dry place. And I'm laying in the bed. I'm looking up at the ceiling. I can't sleep. It feels like an elephant sitting on my chest. I'm like, how am I going to get out of feeling this way? Like there's no turning back and I don't want to turn back. I mean, these are my kids it's like, well, I got to deal with this, this pressure I'm feeling on my chest to like try to figure this thing out. And I wrestled all night. Praying and quoting every scripture that I could remember, listening to worship music all the way until I fell asleep. I mean, I was just like, God, I'm just going to hang on. I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to hang on. But man, it, I'm, in a, I'm in a valley right now. I never forget, I woke up. And I grabbed my phone, and there was a text message from a good friend of mine said, "Hey, praying for you." And it was a video connected to the text. And I opened the video, and it was 500 college students from Antioch Waco praying for our family. That dry place as I'm watching that video Turned in through a thin space. Because the, their expectation, their faith, their hope in our situation all of a sudden took out my hopelessness, moved aside my heaviness, and I experienced faith in transfer through a little phone. And I'm crying, I'm snotting everywhere. Liz is like, Are you okay? I'm like, I'm better than ever. This is fantastic. It was a moment where Moses found himself on another hilltop. This is not Mount Sinai. This is another hill that Moses found himself on. And when he found himself on this hill, God told him, I want you to stretch out your hands to heaven. I want you to pray. I want you to worship. And as you pray and as you worship, I'm going to give victory to the people of Israel to see them work their way through the Amalekites. And so Moses is standing on this hilltop and he's got his arms outstretched and he's praying. And as long as he's in this position, the people of God are winning the fight. And then he gets tired. And in his weariness, his automatic body power shutdown mode from from the pain and the consequence of having to endure faith his arms started to come down. He didn't want them to come down. You know he wanted them to stay up because as they came down, he could see the Amalekites gaining strength as he lost his. And so there were two of Mo's bros there. That's what I like to call them. Aaron and Her. And they could see Moses struggling and and they pull over a rock for him to sit on it's like a lazy boy at the time they pull over this rock and they're like sit down we got you give us your arms we're gonna hold them up this is why i love church There's a day you're going to feel like you don't have any strength to hold your hands up anymore. It's coming. If you're not there yet, it's coming because it's what life does. Life, the pain of disappointment, it will lower the bar of the expectation of your faith. That's why we need community. That's why I cannot encourage you enough. If you're in a dry place, you need to be every time the doors are open, you need to be here. Any prayer meeting you hear about it, go. Isn't it funny how it is the very thing we will not do in a dry place and it's the very thing that will find life that we're looking for. People start struggling on the inside. They stop coming to church. Blows my mind. Anytime you should come to church is when you're struggling. Come all the time. I mean, we, please. But, but it's amazing how the enemy will tempt us. Be like, you don't need to go. You, look, you don't need to go here. Now we got it Backwards. This is where you come to get your hands held up. This is where you come when when you're like, I don't got any more strength. That My faith is gone. I have no expectation for good. Because, look, you walk into every situation, you have expectation. You're either going to expect that God is going to move in power or you are going to expect that he's not. But you will expect something. You came here with an expectation. Your expectation will determine your encounter. And so if you came to church like, man, this is going to be, God is going to move. It's going to be powerful. I bet you had a great worship time because your expectation determines your encounter. If you came here like, oh, man, I don't know, man, I like it's being kind of hard. We're going to see what happens. What happened? Your expectation determines your encounter. Like, I don't understand it in the mystery of God. I don't know why it matters, but It matters. Our faith matters. We have an opportunity to come together as a church, as a community, and say, you know what, I'm going I'm to worship on behalf of others right now. I'm going to lift up the hands of others right now. I'm, 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 I'm going to stand up for those who are too tired to stand up right now. And if you're dry, you need to be in this place. You're, you need to show up more. You need to get here early. You need to stay late because this is a thin space. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, and the door will be open to you. Just like God looked at Ezekiel and he said, prophesy to the breath. Look, I want to stand on this stage. I want to prophesy to the breath right now. Wind is coming into your soul. If you're in a dry place, you're in a doubting season, I'm prophesying to you right now, wind is coming into your soul. If, if you're struggling, you feel like you can't make it, your faith is gone, your expectation is gone, you, you're, you don't even know why you're here. You, you're, you're like, I'm here, I got muscles on me, I got skin on me, my tendons are all connected, I'm in form, but there's no blood in me, there's no life in me. I'm prophesying to you right now, the wind is coming. The wind is coming. This is a thin space because Jesus made a way for it to be a thin space. You know, we talked about Moses and Mount Sinai and I'll close with this. The amazing thing that happened on Mount Sinai is Moses got the Ten Commandments. Those Ten Commandments were then put into what was known as the Ark of the Covenant that was placed in this deep inner part of the temple. And it was where the presence of God dwelled. It was the thin space. And it was so powerful in there, so majestic, so pure. God was so in that space that the priest could only go in there once a year. And when he went in there, he had this huge checklist that he had to walk down to make through, the, make sure that he was clean on the inside and clean on the outside. And Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He fulfilled... What the Ten Commandments revealed that we couldn't. He was without sin. The Bible says that he was to be the final sacrifice. That he surrendered himself on the cross. And he uttered the words, it is finished. More than just forgiveness happened. You want to know what happened? That curtain. That separated that thin space from the people was torn in two. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying right now, that now you can just walk in. You're tired, you're weird, you could just walk in. You feel overwhelmed, just walk in. Come into the Holy of Holies. Come to the place of encounter. Come into a place of refreshment. Jesus says any place can be a thin space. Just ask. Just seek. And just knock. And the door will be open. Do me a favor. Can you stand to your feet?